0: This is Chris from Wista, and you're listening to a wicked pisser British bloke named Mike. And this is the AnyRevs UK podcast. All things revolution from a UK perspective. Oh, roll the shit intro. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention please? AnyRevs UK. All things revolution from a UK perspective. Welcome back you turd smuggling ass munches. Hello everybody, my name is Mike and welcome back to the Any Revs UK podcast, all things revolution from a UK perspective. We've got quite a bit to talk about in today's episode as we have started. The season has finally begun, the 2020 season and uh, the New England Revolution started their season with an away game at the Olympic Stadium against Montreal Impact. In today's episode, we will be talking about that game in Montreal. I'll be talking about my initial uh, reactions to the lineup as it was announced will also be dissecting the game and giving you some kind of little key points and key takeaways from that game, as well as looking forward to the game, the first game of the season at Gillette Stadium as the Revolution. Welcome, uh, humble and uh, I don't know what to say about that badge, really. Um, but we, we, we actually kind of introduce Chicago Fire back to the uh, Gillette Stadium. Hopefully we can give them a good seeing to as uh that badge is... I'm just looking at it now. What What, what were they thinking? Uh, anyway, obviously, before we start today's episode, I just want to say a massive thank you to my patrons. We're three patrons strong now. Uh, as I said, all the money that ever comes in from Patreon just goes directly back into the podcast. Uh, help funding against uh, hosting costs as well as maybe upgrading some of my kit as we go along the way. So if you do wish to uh, contribute and just stay a little thank you, it's $4 a month, um, but please only do so if you can afford to do so. Second of all, the sponsors of this year's podcast, MLS UK Show, have decided to put their name forward and sponsor us. So thank you to them, guys. If you do wish to go and search and find out what they do, uh, just search MLS UK Show. They've got the uh, socials, they've got their own website. They're now on YouTube as well, so it's great. I actually prefer watching them on YouTube. It's kind of nice, little. Uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just nice. It's watching the podcast live. I suppose it just gives it something a little bit different. Although I still, I still sometimes I'm just listen to an episode, but I do tend to try and wait to for the video to come out and watch that. Um, it might be something I venture to in the future, who knows, but obviously I want to say a massive thank you to Elliot and uh, Henry for putting their faith in me, and uh, so, yeah, sponsoring the podcast. Uh, but anyway guys, this is Season 3, Episode 6, so let's get right into it, shall we? So the uh, season started, the revolution taking on Montreal Impact at the Olympic Stadium, and... Um, yeah, what can I say? Obviously, a 2-1 loss, not the kind of way you'd want to start this season. Um, could I say that maybe Revolution deserves something from the game? There's part of me which is always that biased part of me that, that wants to say yes. And, you know, kind of when you look, um, you know, I've, I've watched the game back now. So I always like to uh, watch the game back again after I've initially watched it, purely because I think I'm missing sometimes. I'm very much, when I'm watching it the first time around, I'm, I'm not, obviously, I don't know what the score is. Uh, and all that kind of stuff. I don't know how the game unfolds. So I'm kind of not really taking in everything. So I would like to watch it back again to see kind of uh, mistakes that I may have missed first time, you know, vulnerabilities, things that we did well, all that kind of good stuff as well. Um, But I think when you look on it, I mean, they had more of the ball, but we actually created more chances. Um, their, their passing was better than ours, though. So I think on the onus of things, I think it probably was a fair result. It uh, just goes to show that we weren't as clinical as we could have been. Although we had less of the ball, we had more opportunities to actually score from our opportunities. So we probably should have done better. Um, would I say a point away from that would have been a bad thing or unjust? Probably not. You know, I think that's the... the The most we deserve. We I don't think we did enough to to win the match, uh, to be brutally honest. There, Um, but I think it was you know there was there was was quite a few positives and negatives to take away from the result, and uh, that's what we're going to talk about as we dissect the game. But yeah, not really the ideal start to the season. We never really want to go into the the season with a loss. Um, But we're going to start by talking about my kind of initial reaction to the formation and lineup uh, that was announced. Now, for me, I think the formation. I kind of think that's a given. Now, I don't think we're going to play too much different from that. I think we'll play possibly variations of that at time to time. I think we'll possibly we could move to the. Um the diamond formation as well, which I think probably might have suited us a little bit better in in this, this game. I mean, perfectly honest, especially with the personality uh, named on the pitch. Uh, so I think we could possibly do the four four two diamond uh, formation. I think that one would possibly come into play. But I do think this is predominantly the formation that we will see uh, throughout the season. And obviously, he did go. With a like four-two-three-one formation. Um 1 formation. So well, I'll just run through the lineup and then I'll kind of give my reactions to kind of what I thought. Uh, we started off with Matt Turner in goal, Dewan Jones at left back, Henry Kessler, Andrew Fowle, and then Brandon Bayer at right back. Uh, Diego Fandunguez and Scott Caldwell in that central defensive partnership. Uh, we then had Teal Bunbury starting on the left, uh, Christian Pinier starting on the right, Gustavo Bow in that kind of free roaming 10 spot, and Adam Buxer uh, starting as our uh, number 9 and our uh, talisman. So overall, I think that kind of the back five, realistically, I kind of think that's what most people thought. Obviously, if news coming out of the camp that Alexander Butner probably wasn't going to be ready for the game, and um, neither was Seth. I think I think I think that was pretty much most people's given back line. Um, I think people were hoping that Delamea might have made it in there. And Butner could have made it in there. But I think most of us were settled that, that would have been the the starting five. The the thing that that threw me the most was the two in front of those now this is no disrespect to Diego or Scott Caldwell I like them I like them both as as people and as, as soccer players I think they both had something different I think they're both definitely worth keeping around uh, this season I do think that for Diego um, I'm not really too sure where we kind of see him going in the future but I would like to see him stay in a revolution kit and to perform in a revolution kit um, if Obviously, we don't kind of start going to, you know, playing him as often as he is. I think he probably will want to leave so I think he does just want to play. Uh, soccer, so I do think we could lose him. Um, but I kind of I don't know. We all see potential, but we do really need to start seeing him performing to the level he is. And I do think this position could be something that he, he does well in. To be fair, we've seen it with I, I personally think Juan Agudelo started playing uh, a lot better than what we'd seen him in previous seasons when he kind of played in this deep uh, lying uh, kind of playmaker role. I suppose we could uh, we could say from last season. Um, but yeah, I think Diego. This could suit him uh, his playing style. But I don't think having Diego and Scott Caldwell together as a partnership will, will ever work. I can't see how... Obviously, Diego is a more attacking-minded than flair kind of player. So it's kind of good to have that there, but then to have somebody who's not defensively solid. Um, I'm not saying Scott Caldwell... He's not tap-minded player at all. Um, I think he's a good box-to-box box player, and he's he's great to to bring on to kind of see games out with with Scott Caldwell. I think he's a he's a he's good at kind kind of getting the ball, running down the clock. He likes to do things. Um, say simple. I think you know he likes to kind of get the ball and and get it out from underneath his feet, give it to those players who can make things happen. I think that's what Scott Caldwell is really good at. He, he has, a, I feel, he has probably one of the the better footballing brains on the on the team. I think he kind of knows. Sometimes maybe he can't always, you know, uh, execute perfectly kind of what he, but you can always tell he knows what needs to be done at certain times in, in a game. So I think he's, his brain, his football IQ is really good. And that's why, I think he's going to be a vital piece of helping the Revolution Two team develop. I, th- I think they could utilise him in that aspect more as well. Maybe bring him into that fold. Uh, start kind of even getting him getting to pass on some of his wisdom to them younger players. Because I think what he has in his head is uh, could definitely help a lot of our younger up and coming players. But for me, I just don't think them two as a partnership. I'm not saying they they, they can't play in that position. And they shouldn't ever play in that position again for us. But I don't think they should start as a pairing because it just doesn't work. You need that defensive enforcer with them as well. Um, I think they're two very similar players in terms of stature, not in playing style. But I think in stature, I just don't think really it gave us the defensive coverage we needed in that position. Um, so for me, that one was the, the shock of the, the the whole lineup. And then I really, really study, I think, the, the, the four in front of those two. I think they were pretty much a given as well. I mean, I suppose Teal Bunbury was the only one that people was debating. You know, was it going to be Teal? Was it going to be Diego? Possibly could Rentis get in there? I mean, I think I would have liked to have seen uh, Justin Rentis given an opportunity there. Um, but was I disappointed that Teal was named in the squad? Kind of, yeah. We're not going to lie because you know I think we've we already know what Teal offers. Is. Uh, we already kind of you know we've we've had him on the, the squad for a while now. Don't think we should get rid of him uh, at, at all. Um, but I don't know. I'd just like to see Justin when it's given an opportunity to, to showcase what he could do after what I think was a a pretty decent performance for me over the, the preseason as well. I wouldn't say that I felt that Teal did anything better than Justin did over the the, the preseason. So, um, but I think a lot of us can understand, you know, that, that Teal's got the experience there and. I don't think we're all too shocked to see him, basically, on the pitch in the starting eleven. Uh, Gustavo by Christian Panier, and Adam Bootske then, I think that's kind of what everyone thought. It was just kind of who was going to be that, that fourth player, who was going to be the fourth player that makes that that uh, transition into the starting uh, 11. Uh, on the bench, obviously, we named um, Wilfred Zahibo, Michael Mantien, Tiger Buchanan, Brad Knighton, Callum Rowe, um, Justin Rennicks, and then we named Riviera as well. Um, so uh, Tico got a name on the bench, which I was really, really pleased about to see one of the youngsters made on. Obviously, I was hoping for uh, Reno to obviously go and kind of get a nod. So I think he had a really, really impressive preseason. I feel that it kind of went under uh, under the radar a little bit, um, but glad to see one of them get the nod on the bench. Obviously, didn't make it onto the pitch, uh, but uh, still glad to see. Obviously, that he, you know he he's done enough. Obviously, in Bruce's mind to make their name. Obviously, we all kind of know that um, uh, Firmino and Ankin weren't going to make the eleven as they were already pictured with the Revolution Two squad as they had a preseason friendly as well, which we did. The Revolution Two unfortunately did. Uh, lose their preseason game against the, I think it was the red, uh, red bulls um, second string team as well, I think. Um, but I think they are a league above us as well. So, uh, but yeah, they, they went down to three uh, 0 on that one as well. But it's good to see again some of the first team players that then homegrown young players can look up to and and see that they've transitioned into that first team now, are uh, also being utilised in the Revolution 2 squad. I will be, just to kind of let you know guys, I will be covering the Revolution 2 games once there actually is some coverage for me to actually cover because at the moment I'm finding it really hard to find any information out there at all in terms of even, even who started the game. Um, And unless a player scores, I don't even know who's on the pitch, if I'm being perfectly honest. Uh, I'm hoping, obviously, once the season starts, because I know all the games have been shown on YouTube, that obviously I'll be able to watch them back. And then obviously I will do a Revolution 2 section as well. So it is coming. It's in my my little plan. Um, So obviously once we've got coverage and once i kind of start, obviously being able to watch the matches and so on and so forth, I'll then obviously be including them in the podcast as well. But back to the game against obviously Montreal. Um, So the kind of lineup, you know, as I said, I wasn't really overly keen on Diego and Scott Caldwell playing there. But you know, I put my faith in Bruce. I thought he knew what he was doing, and uh, yeah, it was. um, I thought it was interesting, basically, kind of what what his idea or thought plan was to it. And to be fair, there wasn't really that much that we could cry about in the first thirteen minutes was there? I think we started the game really, really bright. Um, you know, looked to cause trouble, started to play the ball down the wings, get the ball out wide, knock it into Butsk seemed to be the plan of of action Obviously, then we had Gustavo Bow kind of dropping a little, a little bit deeper to mopper and anything up that wasn't wasn't caught. But it's actually a set piece. Um, 30 minutes on the clock, a um, uh, ball came in, um, a short corner play from Gustavo Bertrand to Christian Panea. Panea into the box, uh, looked like a very well-routine, very well-rehearsed re- routine. Um, Teal Bunbury kind of peeling away, and uh, yeah, very well-hit uh, strike into the bottom corner. Revolution take the lead 30 minutes into the match. And uh, moments later, we kind of had another uh, corner and um, another really good delivery. It looks like we've been really working on our attacking set pieces. Defensively, obviously we'll talk about that a bit later on, uh, but I think our, our attacking set pieces are something that you can really tell that the team as a whole. And it almost seems like everyone understands their role as well now in... In an attacking set piece, what, where they are, what they're supposed to do in certain situations, um, which is really, really pleasing to see. Obviously, we need to transition that now into defensively because we are we are still poor at defending set pieces. Um, after that kind of initial kind of flurry, the game kind of settled down a little bit. Both teams kind of started finding their feet again. Uh, Montreal starts coming to uh, coming to it a little bit more, but I wouldn't say they were they were dominating the match at any one point. In the first half, uh, they did grab a goal on the 37th minute. Uh, Romano Quintara. I don't know how to pronounce any other people players' names, if I'm perfectly honest. And I don't even uh, pretend to even try to. Uh, but they grabbed a goal on the 37th minute. Um, for, for me, this one was... I don't know. It's, it's just annoying. It's it's so annoying. Um, I mean, the corner comes in and to, to concede a, a set piece again... Just it just seems like we haven't learned. Um, and I'm not too sure what's going on there. I don't know who the defensive coordinator of the Revs is, so or, or the Revs is. So I do apologise for that. Um, but yeah, something needs to be addressed because we're now like what three seasons on, and on, to be fair. I apologise because this could, we could have been talking about this for, for the last 25 seasons. I'm not I'm not sure. 25 years, sorry. I'm not too sure how long this has been a problem for the Revs. But from my point of view, when I've been kind of involved and really looking and really listening to other people's podcasts and reading up on different people's blogs, when I kind of really immersed myself in the revolution culture um, and tried to learn as much as I want. But definitely for the last three seasons, I feel like we've we've been saying the same thing constantly, that we can't defend set pieces. And I think it was just pretty adamant, again, to today, or well not today, sorry, uh, in the first game of the season that we still struggle with it. I mean, DeWan Jones was, I wouldn't say completely at fault, but obviously a lot of it hangs on his shoulders because he did just the ball watch and stand still. The player peeled off the back of him, was completely free when the, the ball got headed on, and uh, yeah, 1-1 in at the break. Bold move then, and to fair, I'm actually, this is what I kind of liked. So this is the first thing that I really liked that I've seen that Bruce did in this match. Um, he brought Wilfred Zaha on for Scott Caldwell. I think that was a really, really good call. He kind of seen that the Caldwell uh, Diego wasn't working. I think it was the right option to bring Caldwell off again. Not because I don't th- I don't think Caldwell played any worse than Diego did. I don't think either of them did anything. Um, to kind of make them stake that one of them was better than the other one. I think they both had a meh performance. They don't, didn't really look to get involved in the game. I wouldn't say necessarily it was 100% their fault because it did seem that our action plan was to play the balls down the wings. We didn't play through the middle of f- midfield very often at all, which led to Gustavo Bowe just not really being involved that much Um, from set pieces and stuff. He just... Really strawed and and Butzka, really, because it was just constantly out wide, ball into the box, out wide, ball into the box, rinse, repeat, really. It was, and Gustavo Bow was getting bypassed, the midfield two were getting bypassed. Butzka was isolated a lot of time because the balls were just going out wide and then. There's only Gustavo bow who seems to be told to kind of hang back off but not not to join as much in on the attack. So to, to try and attack the box against, you know, two, three defenders with one, I mean, Tver, he's a very tall man and very, you know, he seems like he could be dominant in the air. It didn't seem like it was the right way to go. Um, but we we kind of exploded out of the blocks, I feel, in the second half. And I think the introduction of Zahibo was a really, really good thing. I think it was... Uh, was, was the right move as well. And uh, Zahibo looked like he wanted to keep that shirt. He he put in, for, for me, a, a solid performance throughout the whole match in that second half. Um, He looked like he definitely wants to keep that shirt now. And to be fair, at the start of the season, I was owing and iron about Zahibo. He can still prove us wrong. You know, we, we know he likes to be this Mr. Inconsistent. But that 45 minutes that i seen from him was some of the best 45 minutes I've seen from Big Wolf uh, in a rev shirt in a while, to be fair. So I was, it was really, really pleasing signs. To see, didn't show it for a challenge. Once got stuck in, tried to get the ball back as quickly as he could. Then tried to start a play. He knows he's not, you know, the the most skillful player on the pitch, and you know, he's but what he did, he got the ball and just played it forward. He was very direct in his play. I felt as well. And I just thought he added something completely different, and this is exactly what we needed at this point in in the game. Uh, I feel like the sec- start of the second half, we had some really really good opportunities. Uh, I, th- I feel like we um, we were definitely the, the better of the two teams, um, kind of in the, at least the first like fifteen minutes of the second half. Putting in some really, really good opportunities. Uh, some I've noted down here is the the kind of one on one opportunity that kind of, well, I named it as a one on one, but it's when Teal and uh, Bo broke away from the defence uh, and uh, Teal played the ball through to Gustavo Bo and he kind of almost tried to put it at the back post. Um, it, I don't feel like he got enough lift on the ball. I think he was kind of like trying to do like a chip dink kind of shot over the goalkeeper, but I don't think he got enough back lift on the ball. Uh, but it was still, a, I think it was still good. Um, good to see that Teal was. Um, you know, kind of in the right mindset. He kind of let Gustavo pull away from him on the left hand side of him, and then he fed the ball through. So he kind of held on to the ball um, until kind of the two players came to close him down, and then released Gustavo once he had a bit more space. So that was pleasing link-up play to see from me. Uh, Adam Butzka finally getting involved in the game had a really good uh, right-shotted foot from outside the box. Only just, I think it was right-right-footed anyway. Um, just kind of dragging just uh, wide of the uh, goalkeeper's. Left hand side, well, he's right hand side. If you're looking at it, his left hand side post, uh, kind of the first real and only real, um, kind of opportunity, I suppose, apart from the second corner we've seen, um, where Adam Butzka uh, headed the ball towards the goal, but it was deflected wide. The only kind of real two sightings we've seen of him on the ball, um. And we'll kind of talk about the performances of individual players a little bit a little bit later on, uh, but yeah, very quiet during the game and didn't really get involved as much as kind of I think a lot of us were hoping for. The weirdest thing then, after kind of you know being, um, well, this happened before then because Teal was already on the pitch. So in the 16th minute, uh, um, obviously we took Teal Bunbury off the pitch, and this kind of led to what I would say the demise of the whole game for me personally. If I'm going to be honest. Taking off Teal Bunbury, I don't understand. I mean, as I said, I wouldn't have named him in my starting eleven if I'm perfectly honest. But I do feel that at that time on the pitch, he was one of our better players, if not the best player on the pitch for us. He was trying things. He was he was everywhere, um, and yeah, I feel like he he was the one trying to make stuff happen. Um, then to bring him off and bring on a defensive player in Michael mansien I kind of, I didn't really understand the, the, the thought pr- process at the time. I didn't really get what we were trying to achieve here. I was like, okay, it's only 66 minutes into the game. It's it's 1-1. One, one. What what are we trying to achieve here? It looks like we're trying to shut up shop and just defend a 1-1 one, one draw. And considering we were just come off one of our more dominant spells with the ball, I didn't understand Bruce's logic in this one. I didn't know maybe if he thought we were being too attack-minded and we were going to get caught or or what? But I, I didn't understand the thought process of bringing off an attacking player and bringing on a, a defensive player, which obviously then meant a, a formation change. We went to a a five at the back uh, formation, um, and with uh, with uh, Mantien joining the pitch, so we went to uh, a Kessler, mantien Farrell uh, back three, I suppose. Then we had Duan Jones and Brandon Bye on the 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 wings, then we had um. Zahibo as the defensive midfielder, and then we played. Was it Diego, Bo, Pindia, and then uh, Adam Butzka up top? But it, as I said, it kind of in my eyes, it's what led us to because, well, the whole demise of the game, really, we we just got put completely from that moment onwards, we were pretty much under pressure. Um, from Montreal from till that to the end of the game really uh, they took off Bojan in the 77th minute I was kind of glad to see Bojan not score against us that was one saving grace I think I think if he would have scored a goal against us that would have been a right uh, right pain in the neck and and um, not anything anyone in the Revolution fan wanted to see a play we were, we were obviously very heavily linked with uh, throughout the whole of our season pretty much to be fair I was going to say in the summer but it wasn't just in the summer it was throughout the whole season Um. But yeah, to see him not score, that was good. Obviously, he was off the pitch. But then it was just a bombardment. We just got completely um, overrun. Uh, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, Adam got not really kind of getting involved and in, he was just isolated up there by himself. Uh, he was having to drop deep, try and get the ball, which he shouldn't be doing. He's, if you've brought a DP striker in to play up top and, and grab us a goal, if he's dropping to, you know, defensive midfield positions to try and get the ball to kind of get involved in the game, then you've got you know, I know Gustavo is a, a quite a, uh, a clever player. He just kind of then, if he sees what's coming deep, he will push up a bit more. But it's it's like I don't know. It just didn't. It it felt like the whole team as a whole hadn't really still got used to him playing, which is weird because in pre-season, I thought we started to see some really good link up play from the guys. And but if you were to not know anything that happened in pre-season, obviously if you're not a Revolution fan. And this is your first taste of watching Revolution plan, uh, re- re- watching the Revolution play. Sorry, I think you'd have thought that these guys haven't played together before because it didn't seem like we had. Um, but yeah, obviously we scored, uh, conceded a goal in the uh, 80th minute. I'm not going to hold Matt Turner completely responsible for the the goal. Obviously, I think a lot of it does hang on his shoulders, but I think at the same time he shouldn't be put in a position where he's done that. And I think Charlie Davis said it on the uh, I can't remember if I see I can't remember I've seen it. He said it somewhere definitely recently in an interview and I can't remember if it was on a podcast or what, but he said that while Matt Turner is a great shot stopper, probably one of the best in the league, it's his decision making sometimes that can that can uh, be his downfall. And I think that's kind of was highlighted in this game um when he kind of Because I sometimes think with goalkeepers, if you've started to come from the ball and then you've realised that you've probably made the wrong decision, I think trying to backtrack sometimes is the worst thing you can do because, one, no one can run back particularly fast. No one can run backwards, you know, that fast. Um, The the player's obviously going to go for a lob, because you're off your line Uh, but I think you've just got to make yourself as big as you can rush out to them as fast as you can and just try try and make yourself as big as you can to to kind of put them off almost going for, for the lob rather than trying to kind of stop because you can see he's caught in two minds, and then he's, he's realised he's probably not going to get there. And he thought, "I've got to start trying to back back pedal here." And as I said, no one can run backwards that fast. Anyway, I mean, there probably is people who can run ridiculously fast, and loads were going to be tweeting me videos now of somebody doing a hundred metre backwards sprint in like ten seconds or something. But you know, it's um, I don't. It, it can tell that that's kind of something that Matt Turner needs to work on. Um, other than that, I think I do think Turner had a good game. Uh, obviously, he kind of put his whole body on the line at one point, and we, you know, reports now that he might ever make the game against Chicago, which would be um, should be a massive blow to us. Uh, but um, you know, I, I do think that he he is has got to you know hold his hands up on that one and take that one on the chin and just learn from it. Hopefully, he will learn to uh, just do better in those situations. But again, as I said, from a defensive point of view, it's. You know, he probably shouldn't be put in them situations where he's having to kind of almost sprint out and close a player down because that's that's not really his his job as a goalkeeper. Obviously, that is the last thing he should be doing. Um, uh, and obviously, he got it wrong on this occasion, so it was unfortunate. And uh, yeah, then the game kind of just petered out, really. Um, I don't really feel like we tried to get the game back. Um, you know, I think probably we did have more of the ball after that point, but you could see that, that Montreal had done what they needed to do. They were pretty. it could. This is this is what made me feel really bad about the whole situation at the end of it, and especially watching you back for a second time. Um. Obviously, we brought on uh, Tyshay Buchanan for uh, Duan Jones in the eighty third minute, which I was pleased again to see one of the the kind of younger lads uh, getting on the pitch. And I think he had, you know, he had a, he had a decent opportunity. You know, <laughs> nearly grabbed as a point. But if I'm being perfectly honest, other than that, Tyshay Buchanan kind of um, headed on to the post. I feel like. We did have a lot of the ball and we kind of were uh, attacking, but if watching it back a second time, other than the Taijo and Buchanan header, we didn't really do anything again with the ball. And Montreal looked very, very happy and not remotely scared about defending for the last kind of 10, 12 minutes, or however long it was. They they were more than happy to sit back and just defend that lead out there because I almost felt that they thought that we couldn't we couldn't offer anything going forward because it's not like they were scared of 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 they probably they might have been before the start of the game but after seeing the performance throughout the game they were probably like you know what There's, they're not offering anything so it was it was disappointing that we we seem to miss Carlos heel so much um, and uh, you know. We've got the two, our two, still two of our star players on the pitch, and a, a re, really, you know, invigorated Christian Panier as well, and a very motivated Till Bunbury, it seems. But yet we still didn't offer that much, um, and didn't really put put them under that much of a threat towards the end of the game and we really need to try and grab at least a point from from the game. So still a lot of work to be done. Um, we'll kind, of, I'll kind of talk about each player individually now, and then we'll kind of uh, then move on to the Chicago Fire game. So starting goal, Matt Turner. I think he had an okay game, uh, not one of his best in in the revolution Did pull off some good saves though. Obviously the one where he kind of broke his knee to try and save the ball. Thank you, Matt, for that. Um, but obviously, as I said, he was kind of very accountable for the goal uh, we did concede in the eightieth minutes. But other than that, I don't think Matt Turner, to be fair, had a, a bad game. And obviously, if he is a doubt for the um, the game against Hefaya, uh, which I believe he. He he is he's on the uh the questionable list. Um, it is going to be a big blow to us. But you know, I actually am very um glad, and you know, it wouldn't worry me too much because I think Brad Norton is is a great goalkeeper. Uh, Dwan Jones didn't probably have his best game at left back. Um, especially, I th- I'm not too sure how to feel about Dwan Jones with this game because I think maybe I was hedging a lot of kind of stuff onto him because of how well he performed last season and I kind of thought he would just kick on from there and, and continue that thing. We all know he's not a left back by trade um, and he just filled in that gap last season because we needed to and as I said I think he's kind of one of them type of players that will just give his all in whatever you ask him to do. I think he'll, as I said before, I think he'll play in goal if you literally asked him to do so and, he, and he's still putting a good shift for you. So I can't really moan about him too much. Um, but I would say it wasn't one of his better games there. Um, he didn't seem to be as defensively good as he was last season. And he wasn't really getting involved. with. I don't know if obviously, he could have been told not to. But he definitely wasn't getting involved in the attacking third as much as he did uh, last season either. Uh, standout performance in the back line for me. Henry Kessler put in some situations again for, for a rookie he shouldn't really be putting them situations but i felt he dealt with the whole situation really really well there's a few times when it kind of came through and it was just hit almost him one-on-one with a player and he didn't look to phase him he did pretty much most things right where he was trying to drive players out out wide like, away from the goal which is exactly what you're taught to do as a defender um i think there's a lot of time when he did a lot of mopping up at the back as well didn't seem to face him when the ball got played out to him short from the goalkeeper, even at times when he's put under a bit of pressure. And I think he had a really, really good debut for the revolution, especially for a player, you know, who's literally just joined us and it is his rookie season. After all, I think you've got to give a lot of the credit to, to one, to Henry himself for the kind of way he handled himself on the pitch, but also to the the coaching staff and Bruce for actually, you know, giving him the opportunity to play there because to be fair, I think you probably... I don't know what else we could have done. I mean, Mantien did come on, so maybe he could have lasted, a, you know, the 90, but who knows? But to, you know, put the faith in the youngster and given the opportunity was... Um, you definitely going to take your out after that. Andrew Farrell had a, an OK game, to be fair. Um, again, last season he played really well, and I think uh, we were kind of coming off the back of that. Haven't really seen him perform that well in pre-season either. Um, hopefully we're to revert back to, was it 2015, Andrew Farrell centre-back experiment we tried when, was it 2015 or sixteen? I can't remember, um, when we tried to uh, Andrew Farrell as a centre-back and it yeah, really didn't work. But obviously off the back of last season, I think uh, a lot of people's, um and Andrew Farrell's stock had definitely gone up a little bit. Uh, in the opinion of the Revolution fans, as a centre-back. Because to be fair, I think he had a really solid performance as a centre-back last season. Didn't start off that brilliant this season. I wouldn't say he was terrible, um, but he was nowhere near the standard that we've seen him at last season and nowhere near the standard we need him to be. Um, Brandon now I've seen a lot of different reports on Brandon by Some people have given him a really high rating. For me, I don't know with, with Brandon. I'm still still a bit undecided. He, he's still, you know, at the end the day, he's 24 now. Um, he played there the whole of last season. Um, I, I don't know. I think I'm starting to maybe expect a little bit more from, from, from him now. This is his third season of the Re- Revolution. Fair enough, for the first season was his rookie, rookie season. But 24 years of age, played the whole of last season at right back. Just sometimes his understanding of the game just seems to be off. Saying that, though, his recovery on a lot of things is, is really, really good. But to me, when you're seeing a player doing a lot of recovery work, very does it really, really well also says to me that his positioning is 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 not good because he's constantly having to recover sometimes obviously it's not his fault he's having to recover for other people's mistakes but a lot of the time i'm thinking great that you've done that but why why was you in the position where you had to kind of recover from from that situation you know it was kind of that must have meant you was out of position to begin with if you've had to then you know be caught so i feel one in that match wasn't wasn't wowed by him i don't think he he I don't think he's really hindered his opportunity there. Um, Dewan Jones is possibly one we could try out there, uh, or maybe Farrell back back to right back as well. But I, I don't think it was a great performance from him. But I also don't think it was a terrible performance. If that makes sense. Jago um, in the midfield, I think he had. If I'm being perfectly honest, I can't really remember much about him. The game, the whole game, just seemed to bypass him. Um, yeah, I honestly can't remember. I've, I've wrote notes about most players here, but I've wrote some nice passing from Diego, and that's all I've wrote, uh, and a little bit of defensive duties done well. I, I, I honestly can't remember him getting involved that much, honestly. but again, with this, two, with this one, I don't think him and Scott Calderwell can be held accountable too much, because the game plan almost seemed to not be to work the ball through the middle and to bypass the midfield. I'm not too sure why you'd name two players like these two players, who are generally actually you know, good at passing. i have got a good especially, you know, Coldwell, I do think he has a good range of passing. Um more sideways than, than forwards sometimes with Scott. <laughs> but you know, he likes to play the ball simple. He likes to see where the pass is on and pass the ball out. Um but for me, I think if it was, you know, gotta do that, then I don't know why we didn't start Sahibo there and just have a big defensive unit in in play where we weren't going to utilize them for passing. Um, it's kind of maybe why he didn't play Callum there but I'm not too sure I don't really understand the thought process but I can't really give Dago that much of a good mark or a bad mark because I don't think he did anything wrong really but I also don't think he did anything well because he didn't really have that much opportunity to kind of showcase it if I'm being honest, I mean I think his pass success rate was 90% though so when he did have a ball his distribution was good uh, so I suppose there was that and I think he did have was it 40 uh, 40 plus passes uh, so he obviously did more than I, I thought he did, but I honestly just can't remember it. So it, it couldn't have been that much of an impact or it was a lot of, but sometimes, you know, that's good. Unsung hero sometimes can be great. If if he's, if he's, got, if he's got 90% pass succession rate for 45 passes, that is a really good stat to have. So from whatever he was doing in the match, it was doing well. It might've just been sideways, backward passes to kind of keep control of the ball, but sometimes that's what you need. Uh, but for me, I honestly can't remember him doing too much in the game. Sorry, Diego. Uh, Scott Caldwell, probably the same, to be perfectly honest. Um, Again, didn't really see him get involved that much. Um, I've wrote him down here. He's got an 88% uh, pass success rate. So it goes to show those two, you know, they did what they did when they had the ball was good. They passed the ball out, which is probably what they were told to do. But again, it was almost like they got the ball from the back and then the ball went to an out wide. That's what I felt happened. It wasn't get the ball from the defence, defence onto Diego or Scott. Um, a lot of time it did go over them too I felt but you know it seems like the ball did actually go through them a li- little bit but I don't remember the ball ever going into Gustavo's feet I always remember it going out wide a lot um, and as I said I've watched the game about twice now as well so um, it, it, it did seem that we were dominantly going out wide uh, we then had obviously Teal Bunbury who I think was a, you know he played he played really really well I feel I feel it was one of Teal's um, better games in a, in a Revs jersey in a while and um, I was, as I said, I, I still don't quite understand the why we took him off. I don't get it. He was playing well, and I don't, yeah, I just don't get it. Like for me, I mean, obviously, I know you want to leave your DP players on, but you, and I, I know Gustavo Bow was our captain, but Teal, from in my opinion, was playing better than Gustavo wasn't that much. To so take Bow off, he's not, he's not, he's not being as impactful as he could be. Yes, I understand he was probably on free kick duties. He was captain as well. But sometimes, as a coach, these are the decisions you've got to make. The player isn't making the impact you want. And there's no saying that he could come up with that one bit of magic throughout the whole game, which could turn the game on the head. But when you've got a player who's actually playing well and contributing a lot in that final third throughout the whole match, to take him off, one has got to be demoralising for Teal, who probably thinks the same, like he's putting a really good shift here. And, you know, he'll be on camera and he'll say, you know, that he was... uh, Whatever, happy to make way for the, for the team and what he wants to do. Whatever you know, the coach sees fit. But at the end of the day, you've got to be a little bit disappointed because I felt he had, um, you know, one of his better games in a Revolution shirt. And um, then move on to Gustavo. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say he had a terrible game, but I just feel like the, the game did bypass him a lot, which through was not again through no fault of his own. A lot of it seemed to play. I mean, yeah, I did have, you did have. I think it was four shots. I've noted down here. But I mean he honed up the ball played into him and distributed the ball out 18 times. So that that that, that, that doesn't bode well. I mean for, I mean he played 90 minutes. 90 whole minutes. Um, and it just it just seems shocking that that us have a player as skillful and you know as, as deadly as he can be as we've seen last season to to kind of not utilise him as much as we could have done just seemed a bit weird Um, I don't know if sometimes I don't know if it possibly could have been some of Bo's fault where he was not getting into positions that maybe players thought he would do or maybe thought that you know that maybe Carlos did a lot of the time but yeah it just I've seen other people give him glowing reviews and give him like man of the match and stuff but for me I I don't know it just seemed a very quiet subdued performance from him Um, and not not kind of what we saw from him last season anyway. Uh, Christian Panea, see, I felt Christian Panea, again, I I, I seem to be opposite on a lot of people. These Some people have give Gustavo Bo a good uh, review, and Christian Panea, you know, wasn't involved at all in the game. Whereas mine's the opposite. I felt Gustavo Bow didn't really get involved as much as he in the game. And I felt that Christian Panea had quite a good game, to be fair. I think he looked dangerous, he looked sharp, he looked direct, he looked like he just basically wanted to get the ball and just drive at the defence the kind of old Christian video that we saw, maybe not kind of what we saw in preseason. I don't think it was at the same level, um, but I, I think it's because he's he's definitely more dangerous on the left hand side. I don't understand why we keep putting him on the right uh, for, for for good chunks of the game. But but whatever. As I said before, I would like to see them all interchange throughout the game. Anyway, um, I suppose the one thing for me though that was the, the the annoying thing is that he did seem to lose the ball a lot. Um, There's a lot of times when he kind of went. And almost knocked the ball too far forward, got caught, and then I was I was going to say he didn't track back, but he did actually. I've I've, I've noted down that he's he's defensive duties he did quite well in this game as well. So um, I think it was a I don't think it was a, again, an amazing performance, but I don't think it was a bad performance. I've I've read some people's write ups and listened to other people's uh, talk about it, and some people have said that Christian Premier had a bad game. I don't think he had a bad game at all, uh, but again. The penguins are great, aren't they? Um, one person who I do do think had a bad game, Adam, uh, but I don't think this is what any Res fan envisioned. We were all hoping for at least a goal, and just for him to be this big, dominant figure that just scared the crap out of defenses. And that just was not the case. Again, a lot of this, I do feel down. Uh, do feel a little bit sorry for Adam because he just wasn't given the ball as much as I felt we could have done. And he, as I said, he was trying to do He was just getting dropping deeper and deeper throughout the match, trying to get involved in some way. And it almost felt like the whole burden of him being this new DP striker. We paid quite a good chunk of money for him the kind of expectations behind the revolutions fans was huge. And he kind of felt, it felt to me that he was trying to prove his worth by, you know, coming deep, getting the ball, but that's not what we wanted him to do. He really understand it from a point of view as a a player coming into the, to the, um, to the team new and having all this, you know, expectation behind him that I understand he wants to show us that he is worth that, but you've not been brought in to do that. Great that he can do that sometimes and that he was willing to do, willing to do it. But you've been brought into school goals and to to almost leave, you know, with no striker or no focal point at some points, he's not what I wanted to do. So I kind of, there's part of me that feels sorry for, for him. And there's also part of me thinking that he still could have done better because realistically he should know. But again, he's still, he is still young. He's still young. So I suppose there is that, um, you know, there's part of me thinking that maybe he should have known that he should have just stayed up front, not dropped his deep. But he's twenty three years of age, he's still got a load of time to to kind of grow as a player and, and kind of learn this the playing style. But um and I, well, I kind of know that it will come good. Um it's just we've got to give him a little bit more time and uh yeah, so not not the best start for the revolution, not the worst start either. It was good that we just didn't get turned over. Um and as I said, I do feel the kind of last Kind of 10-15 minutes of the game, we did look like we were trying, but also trying with no conviction. Um, and I don't think the formation changed to help that from Bruce. If I got to be first and I tweeted this out after the game as well, and my opinion still hasn't changed after rewatching the game, that I feel that the the this loss is predominantly on Bruce. I don't really think you feel like you can blame the eleven that was left on the pitch because especially towards the end you could see we were trying stuff, but I don't think our formation just lent us to that. Supposedly it was so that we had more, the wingbacks could attack more, so we did have more attacking players. But I feel like it just left us with an abundance of players out wide because it it still felt like we weren't having, you know, players in the box. It still felt like we just had like four players out wide now and still only one or two, three players at the most in the box. It, It wasn't like we were Having five players in the boxes, one player was out wide still. So, yeah, it, I don't think it worked. Um, and I do think more than anything on the day, I think it was the tactics that, that lost us this game more than the actual 11 on the pitch, not trying their hardest because, um, as I said, bypassing the midfield a lot, not playing through the middle uh, and bringing off the player who was probably the most informed player at the time. Just it was a whole catastrophic mess, I feel, from from a tactical point of view. But we wash our hands of that match now. It's happened. We've lost the first game of this season. We can all go on and cry about it if we want and think this is it. We knew this was gonna happen. The revolution of rubbish, will never be good. Or we could sit that around and go, look, there's a lot of, there is a lot of positives to take away from this. There is a good handful of negatives as well to take away from this. But without us believing in the team and showing our support, be it at the game, obviously, you know, which I would love to attend one day. Um, or be it from afar and just, you know, giving it your all and uh, posting about the revolution as much as you can on social and trying to build the fan base of that, Then, you know, we could just continue, we could continue to open it, but we're not going to, are we? We're not going to. We're not going to take this line down. This season has begun. It's not begun the way we wanted to, but we've got Chicago Fire coming to Gillette Stadium. We need to win all of our whole game we need to make a fortress which is hard I understand it is a hard because it is a huge stadium and we don't even fill it anywhere near the capacity even if we were to sell out at the lower tiers and stuff Um I still feel it would be hard to kind of make that place rocking because it still looks half empty doesn't it it still looks half empty even if we fill and sell out a game it still looks half empty Um yeah. But yeah, obviously not really much we can do at the moment. But I just feel like we need to get behind the boys more than ever. They've started off you could see to, to me, the players look like they did they they were just trying. They were all trying. I don't think you can really kind of pinpoint any one player that kind of left the pitch after not trying their hardest to kind of, you know, do what they could do for the team. I just think tactically it was a mess in in the game. And I've got to, I've got a hang my hat on Bruce on this one it's I don't I can't really pinpoint any player that particularly was a downfall of the team I think that again we we still struggle somehow defensive on defensive set pieces I don't understand why when you're trying to try and turn start, slowly starting to come back into the game you go defensive mode all of a sudden uh, and I, I don't care what you say but going to five at the back some people are saying it wasn't five it was three it wasn't. It wasn't three at the back. It was. It was three center defensive players. But then you still had two wing backs. And it. And why have two wing backs when you've already got two wide players anyway? I, don't, I just don't understand the logic behind it. And I still can't understand it now. And it's getting me more and more aggravated the more I think about it because I just do not understand the thought process behind it. But it's done. We've lost the game. we we'll take it on a chin like men. And we go again against Gillette Stadium. Against Gillette Stadium, that'd be an interesting match against Shadow Fire at Gillette Stadium. We don't edit much stuff out of this podcast, by the way, guys. We don't edit much stuff. If you're expecting this high quality professional podcast, then you're definitely in the wrong place. This is just one Brit sitting down and rambling into a microphone. That's that's basically all this is. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much my, my thoughts on the game. Uh, I don't think there's much more else I can really add to it. It was disappointing. But, you know, we go again. We've got Chicago fighter at Gillette Stadium. There's not many hours until kick off as I'm recording this. It's actually tomorrow. It's tomorrow. And it's at a really good time as well. It is at half past six over here in the UK, which is great for me because it means, again, I can watch it live. I can interact with you guys over on social, which is my favorite part of doing it when there's a live match because I hate it when I'm asleep. And I wake up in the morning and I see all of this really good banter and stuff going on on social media. And I'm like, great. I had to do stupid sleeping because I've got work and stuff. But obviously this podcast will never be anything more than just me doing it as a hobby. It's not like I can have a full-time job as a podcaster talking about the Noon revolution now, is it? That's just not going to happen. Um, so, But this one, again, is great. I can watch the game live. I'm not at work. I can sit down, get a few snacks on the go, get a drink on the go, and I can uh, just sit down and not talk to my wife um, for 90 minutes as I watch the revolution take on Chicago Fire. So... What am I thinking? Now we've got we've got a bit of news and actually before we kind of talk about um Chicago Fire game or kind of we'll talk about the news and I've also got a question as well from one of you guys out on the social medias. Um, obviously there is uh, injury reports come out. Um, Alexander Butner and Casado have been listed as out for the game against Chicago. So that means we won't see Butner start and we won't see Luis Casado start either. Um, on the slight positive side, we've got Carlos Hill, Tony and, uh named as questionable. One thing that is concerning though is obviously Matt Turner took that kind of, you know, twisted his knee almost trying to save a shot. Well, he did save a shot and, and also broke his leg in the hall I think I was quite surprised to see because we all saw that Brad Knight was warming up on the sidelines. So we thought that he'd done too much damage, but he did finish the match. And to be fair, he didn't look like he was in. I didn't see like it, it looked like it hindered him anyway. He still looked to move quite freely. He didn't look like he was in any pain. So I don't know if that was just Matt putting on a really brave face or what. But obviously he is injured. He is questionable for the game now. So, um But that one I'm not really too concerned about. I think we've got a really, really good uh, deputy in Brad Knighton. I'm not, con- I'm not really too concerned. If Matt Turner picks up a knock, yes, it's not ideal because um, you'd like to have that consistency in your goal. But at the same time, I'm not really too concerned with having Brad Knight in between the six and then Jeff Caldwell on, on the bench. You know, It's not really something that overly concerns me. Uh, Alexander Butner, bringing him in and obviously him being injured now, seems to be worrying some people. But I think you've also got to think that he hasn't really played at this level for a while. He's not played a competitive for a competitive game for a while now. He's, you know, this is his first proper preseason. His body probably hasn't been as used to it as possible. So there's going to be, I think, you know, a little bit of time. And it's not like he's got, you know, a, it's a an injury where you know he's going to be out for three to six weeks anyway it's just a strain on a muscle and that probably is because he's overexerting himself because he's trying to get himself fully fit for the season but his body's almost like oh, you know you haven't done this for a while Alex what are you doing mate you put me under extreme pressure here you ain't you're pushing me too far so I don't think we've got to worry about it too much it's not ideal obviously bringing in a player who kind of we thought would be the op- option at left back um but I haven't seen what's um, you know happened to Seth. So I think Seth was kind of listed uh, as questionable last game. His name isn't on the list now. So I don't know if we go Seth or we go Duan at left back. But um, obviously to have... Really, we've got three choices at left back. Obviously one's out at the moment and he's listed as out. So there's no chance he's going to be in the 18. But I don't think we've got to worry about it as much as what people seem to be worrying about it. Because it's a quad strain. It's a strain of a muscle that has probably been put under a lot of pressure, that hasn't been used under that much pressure for a while. It happens to a lot of athletes when they come back from from injury too fast sometimes. And although he hasn't come back from an injury, he's come back from not putting his body under this much pressure. So I don't think... I could be reading into it wrong, but I don't feel we need to worry. Obviously, Casado's is an irritation. So again... Nothing to worry about. It's not like this is something that happened last season with him. It's just one of them things. He's took a knock. His his knee doesn't feel like he's going to be able to last the 90 minutes. Um, Probably the physios have assessed it and thought, you know, if you try and rush him back now, then it could be something that impacts him later on or could get worse. So they're probably listing him out at more of a precaution than, than anything else. Um, obviously, Carlos Hill was a, a foot irritation. Um, Delamayor is named as questionable, so that's good. And obviously, Turner we know about as well. So while it's not ideal, because if you think about it, um, we'd like to have Matt Turner in the team, we'd like to have Delamayor, we'd like to have Carlos Hill, Casado and Butner, no, they're all starters. If you can to name your, well, Obviously, we don't really know about Alexander Butner so far, but I suppose if you ask many Revolution fans for what your eleven would be, it probably would be Matt Turner, Alexander Butner, Dele Mayer, Henry Kessler, um, Andrew Fowle, Brandon By, Dewan Jones, somebody out there in that right-back position. Um, you've then got Lewis Casado, uh, Big Wolf. You've then got uh, Christian Pernier, Colossal, Gustavo Bo, and uh, Alexander Butner. So all of them players, I imagine... Maybe not Butner, questionable marks over Dela Maya would make most people's 11 of the revolution. So, that in mind, yes, it doesn't sound great, but I don't think people need to make it any bigger of a deal than it is because we don't know a lot of the facts. There's a lot of speculation out there, but yeah, calm down. It's a long season. We don't want to rush these players back and then get, you know, Colos comes back and something happens in the first kind of few minutes of the game. We have to sub them off. And then something worse happened to his foot because we've kind of put him under pressure to come back. Um Other than that, we kind of—I will talk about my predictions uh for the Revolution game. Obviously, as we do head off towards, well, we're not heading anywhere, are we? We well, are. I suppose we are heading because no one lives at Gillette Stadium now, do they? It's not like the players live at Gillette Stadium. Although, to be fair. This, this is what happens in this podcast. Um there's pictures from that training facility. They do sp- spend a lot of time there, which I think is great. See, this is the whole why well, I think this training facility is really good because they do spend a lot of time together. Um and yeah, it looks it looks like it just looks really good. And I think it's it's great for the, the players to kind of have somewhere to call their their home really or home from home. That that's ours. That is our training facility. It's not the you know, it's no one else, it's not one we're borrowing. It is it's our training facility. And um, the players just look like they're actually really, you know, loving it. They've they got their own barbers there and everything, man. I mean, why, why would you not want to spend as much time as you, as you possibly could there? Um, and I do apologise already, guys, because we are already about 50-odd minutes into the podcast. So if you've lasted this far, then then thank you. And uh, just comment to me over on Twitter, the word pizza. Then that would be amazing. Something let me know that you um, you have listened this far. But yeah, um, one question uh, so far from you guys over on social media. So Alex, Alex is an absolute legend, and uh, somebody I I happily call a friend of mine as well. Now, Um, yeah, he's just such a nice guy, such a humble guy, and um, Alex Welsh. I'm sure a lot of you know him. He's uh, a lad who supports. Most of the Boston-based teams, even though he doesn't live in Boston as well, doesn't live you know quite as far as as me, um, but yeah, doesn't doesn't live in in uh, in Boston. I think he lives in oh god, I'm going to pronounce I'm going to pronounce this wrong now, isn't it? Is it Fred Fredericksburg? I don't know. I, I'm terrible at pronunciations, but yeah, doesn't doesn't live in um, in Massachusetts, or Boston, or anything like that. But yeah, he's a he's a massive kind of mostly Boston sports fan as well as Celtic. But we'll let him off with that one. Um, but yeah, such a nice guy. Uh, yeah, got a lot of time for him, and uh, yeah, happily to 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 call him a friend that I've uh, definitely made from supporting uh, the Revolution. Uh, he asked, "Do you think we would benefit uh, more from bringing in a three four hundred dollar level centre back or a defensive midfielder at this point?" Now, I d- I do think that if Kester hadn't played so well in the first game. I probably would have definitely been screaming for a defender because obviously we lost Kamara. Um but I think Kessler kind of filled that void now. And I think we've got quite a good talent uh, talented bunch of defenders in the Revolution 2 camp as well, especially Nicholas Woodruff. Defensive midfielder wise, I, I do think they're both still places positions we do still need uh strength at. I think we need experience and 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 that in in them kind of roles but i think defensively now with if Delamay comes back strong um we've got andrew faravi can play to the level that he played last season kessler i think that's three solid center backs for the season to have one more would would be nice to have one more you know big big kind of center back there would be nice but i do feel that while we have a lot of midfielders realistically i do feel we only have zahibo and Casado that are natural defensive midfielders, if you kind of get what I'm saying. Callum Rowe is in a defensive midfielder. Dego Dunga is in a defensive midfielder. Scottie Caldwell is just more like a natural central midfielder. He's just a box-to-box guy. I wouldn't say he's, his strengths lie in his defensive work or his attacking uh, work either. I think he's just a well-balanced midfielder. Um, so realistically, I think we only named two defensive midfielders. Um, obviously, I think if you mashed Zeebo and Casado together, Casado together sorry you'd get what we need Um, so playing them alongside each of us really should work throughout the season but obviously that's utilising two players for what you'd want one player to do Um, but yeah I do think we we that, that they're the two positions that I feel we definitely still need to work on uh, I don't think the concern really is that he is on right back or left back I think obviously if Butner comes back in Dewan Jones, we could start there. I mean, we've got, obviously, we could move Andrew Farrell out there as well if we need a right-back. Um, if Brandon By really starts not to work out, I think left-back, we're good. Centre-back, yes, one more. And, yeah, central, central defensive midfielder, I think like we've got an abundance of midfield players, but they're more attacking midfield players than anything. So, yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, I do think we benefit still from bringing in anyone. Uh, I don't think we can. I think obviously, I'm pretty certain the window's closed. So I think it is only free transfers, is it now that we can do? Um I did see that weird report that Benny has, has stated, something that he did train with the Revolution camp over out in Portland. So I don't know if there's any truth behind these reports or or what's happening with that. But is is that a player we want back in the Revolution shirt? Thirty-four years of age now. Is it a one season offering a one season contract and he is used as a squad piece for me i i don't know how i feel about it i don't know what i don't know what he brings to the squad that maybe we've already got what what extra does he bring to the squad that we haven't already got on the team um so i don't know if it's the right move if I'm honest. but at the same time i'm not 100% against it but I, I do think there's probably better options out there for us um but obviously thank you to alex for the question cuz the whole reason I do this podcast is to get you guys involved more. So if you do have any questions, then please just contact me any social form you've got that you know. Follow me on uh, Instagram or on, on Twitter and just just send me a question. You don't have to wait for me to ask. Just send me a question at any point. Um, if you could use the hashtag AnyRevsUK, then that makes it a little bit easier for me to find questions. Um, but yeah, just, just ask me a question. I, I screenshot them and I, I kind of answer them in the podcast. So, But we will now move... We'll, that's good speaking. We now will move on. See, professional people would have edited that bit out. Not us. No, not me. Uh, we will move on to talking about the game in Chicago. And I do apologise, guys, because I, I know I talk fast. I know sometimes it's hard to understand my English accent anyway. Um, and then I taught fast, which doesn't help anyone, does it? Um, but yeah, tomorrow, Chicago Fire come to Gillette Stadium for the first home game of the season. And um, yeah, this is big. One, because it's the first home game of the season. And two, because it's against Chicago Fire with that ugly aspect. I Are mean, we seriously, I mean, I've got to stop looking at it. It's disgusting. I mean, who, what? It's still not as bad as that Leeds badge, but oh my God, what were they thinking? Anyway, um predictions for the lineup of the game and we'll talk about scores on as well as well. So, I'm going to go for predictions. I'll do what I did last time. I'll go for predictions of what I'd like to see and then I'll go for predictions of what I think we will see on the pitch. So, this is going off the fact that the questionable people I think majority of them will be fully fit for, or at least in the 18 for the game. I'm going to go for, I think Matt Turner will pull through for some reason. We'll go with Turner in goal. We'll start, uh, I think I'm going to have to start Jones left back again. Uh, actually, defensive, the, the back five is the same. Back five is the same as we started against um, Montreal. Uh, in midfield, I think we just go Zahibo and Diego. Uh, front three in front of him is the same. Well, the rest of the team is the same. Basically, I'd just swap Scotty Calderwell out and I'd put in uh, Wilfrid Uh, I think that's kind of what I'd like to see. I don't think it's worth risking Carlos from the start. I think, obviously, if we can get him on the bench to come on for the last kind of 20 minutes, that would be good. Um, I don't think we start him, though. Same with... Um, uh De La Maia, don't start him. Have him on the bench if we are falling to pieces. Uh, but I think we kind of just really... Yeah, I think... Um, this is, again, just all off the top of my head. I think if we just swap out Scott for Wolf, I, I think I'd think i be happy um, with that 11. I, said, I maybe possibly think maybe starting Seth at left-back. Um, but I'm not sure. Um, actually, no, I'd say... So, Turner and goal... Dwan Jones, Henry Kessler, Andrew Farrell, Brandon Baye, Jago Fandungas, uh, Big Wilf, left-hand side of midfield, Christian Panier, Gustavo Bow, uh, right-side of midfield, uh, Teal Bunbury, and then uh, Adam Butska up top. Butzka Books. I don't know how you pronounce his name still. This is awful. Um... What I think we'll we'll line up with though is to fair. I don't think I'm probably going to be that far different on this one. Uh, I do think obviously goalkeeper one is quite hard to call, so it, w- it will either be obviously Brad or or Matt. I think Matt if he's fully fit, if not, it'll be Brad again. Perfectly honest, I'm not too bothered which one of those it is. I'd prefer it to be Matt, but if it's Brad, it's Brad. I'm more than happy to have Brad as our backup goalkeeper. Um, I think he will go with Seth at left back if if the option is there. Uh, I think then it'll be the same back uh, three remaining. It'll be Kessler. Farrell and by in midfield. I think he'll go with Wolf and Callum Rowe. I think that's what we will start with. And then I think he'll start um Teal Bunbury on the left for some reason. Gustavo bow on the uh, in the number 10 slot again. Um I think he'll drop Christian Pinier if I'm being perfectly honest. I think he will drop Christian Brunier, and I think he'll start Tijo cannon there, and then I think he'll start up top with the man Adam Butska. Booksah. Booksah. Buxka. I think I say it wrong because I think I will say bus and it's not. It's book, sir. Um, but yeah, I apologise, Adam. You're not going to listen to this podcast. Um, but yeah, that's what I kind of think, Bruce. So I think Bruce will uh, change uh, the midfield partnership. I think he'll go Big Wilf and Rowe. And I think he'll play Taisho McCann in place of Christian Pinier And maybe Seth at left back. Um, because I'm pretty sure he's fit. I can't see anywhere that he's not fit. Um, and he's not on the list, so I think he must be fully fit and ready to go. Predictions of the scoreline. Now, it's always hard for me to predict. Uh, I wouldn't predict the Revolution loss here anyway, but obviously throughout the season, there are probably going to be times where I think we are going to lose a match. Um, I always hate saying that the Revolution are going to lose a match, so I very rarely ever do, even when I think, in with all good knowledge, we're probably going to lose this game I'll still predict it to draw probably in the worst case scenario cuz I just hate saying the revolution will win uh, lose sorry <laughs> that's going to be taken out of context um I hate saying that the revolution will lose why would I hate saying the revolution will win Um, but yeah Chicago Fire coming to Gillette Stadium I think we'll have more enough about ourselves to kind of get the job done Bailoffs their first game of the season as well Uh, I am going for a 2-0 I think we'll get a clean sheet on this one 2-0 victory to the revolution both goals come in from Adam as well because he needs to kind of get that confidence up hopefully he'll stay up top and uh, we'll play the ball actually into him during this match he'll actually get some opportunities to uh, do what he does best and find the back of the net but uh, that's pretty much it, I think, guys. I'm just uh, having a quick, quick through my notes here. Yeah, I know it's very rough, but I do actually write some notes, you know, it's not um, it's not all just um, me off the top of my head. A lot of it is, if I'm being honest. Sometimes I just wrote formation. Like here, I've just wrote f- prediction formation. I mean, I haven't even wrote the formation. I think it is. I've just wrote, say what your predicted formation is. Um, so a lot of it is just off the top of the dome. Um, but some things, you know, I do. Uh, do write down, but um, yeah, I can't really see anything else that we kind of need to cover I did put out a tweet saying that I might do a revolution watch party in the UK I had quite a few people actually come back to me saying that they'd be interested, so um, I kind of think that, you know, 10 if I can get 10 people to I know obviously dates and stuff all um, will will change people's minds sometimes and location, all that kind of stuff but I do think if I can get, you know, 10 people to say that they would be interested, I think it might be something worth me, me actually looking into and f- trying to see if I can find a venue oh there is some uh, VIP seating now I don't know what the cost is but I have seen some VIP seating area at Gillette Stadium which has our branding on it as well so that was really really nice to see uh, hopefully if I do ever manage to get out to a game um, I although I imagine it's definitely at like my price bracket I would no see the things that I probably wouldn't like to sit in them seats or I'd like to at least sit in them seats for a little bit but I want to I just want to be in the fort to be fair if I come to a Revolution game, that first game, I have i can't see me being anywhere other than the fort, because that's just where I want to be. I want to be with you guys in the fort, just screaming my head off for like 200 minutes. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's anything else we can really touch on. Uh, I think I've kind of covered everything. that I want to cover anyway, so... Uh, but if you've got any questions or if you want to hear my opinions on anything, mostly Revolution-based, but obviously even if it's just US soccer-based or about some other teams, maybe my opinion's on Different teams, transactions, or anything like that, then please said don't hesitate. Uh, don't hesitate. Yeah, don't hesitate. My English is terrible sometimes to get in contact with me over on social media. It's just at NLSUK over on uh, Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, I've got a Patreon, as I mentioned at the start. If you do wish to go and support the podcast, please please only do so if you can afford to. And once again, thank you to our sponsors, MLS UK Show, for putting faith in this little Brit sitting here talking about the revolution. But guys, the first game of the season at Gillette Stadium is upon us. We take on our fiercest rivals in the fire. We've got to extinguish them. To be fair, we can't be letting this go into the season with two losses. Um, it's just not. It's just not what we do. What we do. So, if you're at the stadium, which I know a lot of you will be in this one, make sure I can hear you. Just, just give it their all. Get behind the boys. Just chant the whole ninety minutes. So, whatever your voice goes, you know You've, you'll come back. This moment for supporting your team will not happen. Again, against this match. If we lose this match and we're not behind the team, then we can't we, we can't reverse that. We, we can't repair that. It's done. It's just we've lost the points. Your voice will repair itself. So just make sure we I can hear you. I want to be sitting there listening on on Bet Three Six Five because there's no commentary. So that's all I can hear is the fans. I don't hear anything else. I want to hear you guys if we can get in any Revs UK channel in there and record it. That that would be. That would be good. That would be nice, anyone. But uh, if not, obviously don't worry about it. But yeah, make sure you sing it. Sing it loud. Sing it proud. And I'll catch you guys in the next one.